this place. And this is Ryan. And Des is over there in the corner. Hey, Des. And this is the Nintendo Best Day Nintendo Podcast on the internet. This is going to be the retro show for the month of October 2023. And what we do on the retro show is we time travel. We go back in time. We take a retrospective on everything that was happening 21 years ago. So we're going back all the way to October of 2002. And you guys, what a time to be alive. Every time. Well, this one was especially busy. Ooh, yeah, this was an incredibly busy month. There is a 100% chance this is going to be two separate shows. Yeah, yeah, I think so. At, le- at least two. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know there, how much I can just ramble on? There are a ton of of video games to talk about also a whole lot of music and movies yep so what's gonna get going and uh see how far we get here yeah (laughs) but first up the los angeles angels of anaheim won the world series oh really yeah they beat the san francisco giants okay and oh he went seven games which is great. It's always great when a World Series goes to the seven games. Um, do they just have one MVP? Like, how does it work? Do they get? Does each team get to have like an MVP, or is there just one? no? There, there's only one MVP. It was Troy Glouse. Troy uh, Glouse. It was uh, yeah, it was the MVP. Um, uh, Mike Socha was the manager for the Angels. He went on to manage the Angels for a long time after that, and then Dusty Baker, who I think now was with the uh, the Houston Cheaters, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Okay. Um, didn't Mike Socha do the thing where he came back? He got kicked out of a game, but he tried to sneak back on with a mustache. Oh, on. that was um, that was awesome. Was that uh, Bobby, Bobby Valentine? <laughs> Bobby with the Houston what? The the, the Houston Astros. The oh, okay, I, I heard the cheaters. I was like, that's not a real name. I always call them the Houston <laughs> cheaters, even though, like, in principle, I don't have a problem with what they did for a lot of listeners in the past. They they go through this thing in it was 2019 where they it gets revealed that they were using like some tech down in their in their locker room basically to send signals to their batters about what pitches they should swing at and not swing at oh. yeah they, they were they were using uh, well, they could capture the live feed from behind like the television broadcast mm-hmm. from behind the umpire or behind the pitcher looking at the umpire so they essentially they could see the signals from the catcher right and the catcher is making it very clear based on his signals like typically i guess one's a fastball two means like you know, some kind of off-speed pitch. And if you're a batter, hmm. you just want to hit it. You, just, you would love it if every pitch was a fastball. So what they were doing is they had this relay system where they could, in real time, alert the batter to what pitch was about to come. So if they knew it was an off-speed pitch, they would, in the dugout, like bang a trash can. Some speculate they got to the point where they had literally been taping buzzers to their right. bodies that were remotely triggered. Again, all speculation on that one, but they were definitely banging on trash cans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they basically had found a way around. Dropping like, on the streetlights. Well, and, and baseball is, like, perfect for that because it's a sport where, you know, any competitive advantage you can get is good as long as it's sort of within the confines of the game. Like, if you can find a way to steal signs from a pitcher, that's all, that's, that's the name of the game. That's good sportsmanship. But if you're doing it in like that by like using sneaky video cameras to like record a live broadcast to then feed it back to your dugout and then there's this this whole investigation about it and like like you're saying like there's nothing wrong with stealing signs like the the team that's getting their signs stolen doesn't like it because you know it gives you an advantage um but you know it's it's stealing as part of the game like stolen bases are a thing you're not uh it's it's encouraged a lot of times to to do these sort of like underhanded gamesmanship tactics uh yeah. but like it was one of those things was like the airbud rules where there's no rule against using tech so there's this investigation like okay but now there's a rule against it you can't no, do don't this. do that again guys <laughs> yeah yeah which you know 
that I, I think is is totally fair. Like there should be like limits to what you can use to try to steal a science. I think that's that's totally in bounds. You wouldn't want like a team flying a drone above the stadium, like zooming down on the catcher to then relay signals. Yeah. There's, there's there there's a a limit to what you should and shouldn't do. Well, it's uh, same as like treating a baseball as a pitcher, where it's mm-hmm. like if you're using different like substances that aren't normally found on a baseball field mm-hmm. to make the ball different. Like that's again, that's just it's not in the spirit of the game. And that's that's, that's something for for all of us. There's in 2002. That, that's something that <laughs> yeah. they were they were tried to address uh, fairly recently. I think it was, yeah. yeah, this year, um, where you know, like they they have like the the rosin bag, which you know is to to help like uh, grip better, it, like dries out your hands, so it's not like not as slick. But like people would like mix it with sunscreen, mm-hmm. um, and that made it like even stickier. So you get like a, a tacky feeling that helps you like spin the ball better. So you get a better, better rotation rate. It's harder to see what pitch is coming. Um, and and then you hear that someone hitting a trash can, and you know they already figured me out. <laughs> <laughs> they already know what I'm doing, anyways. It, it, it was one of those things like they they were like, okay, well, it's it's getting it's getting too sticky. And like, there are some pictures like it's Ugh. just it's just sunscreen and rosin, and like, well, yeah, but you're playing at eight p.m. You don't <laughs> need sunscreen. So yeah. what is it that you're actually doing with this stuff? And you you are just using it as a competitive advantage. It's like vitamin D's in it, mm-hmm. you know. I need my supplements. Well, what else did you have for us? Something the Angels won the World Series. Okay, um, good for and, the Angels. And then they're going to suck for the next twenty years. But they're gonna they're gonna have guys like Mike Trout and still not make it work. And Shohei Otani, he's not it's not gonna be with them for much longer. It doesn't look like it. Okay, the I have two. One big event I want to talk about, and another event that I think we kind of have to mention, neither of them are good. Let's do it. Um, so I guess the first that we could talk about is the Moscow Theater Hostage Crisis. Do you ever hear anything about this? I don't this? know this. No one knows. I think it's, uh, we just as Americans tend to not value the lives of Russians. So um, this is going to be sound kind of alarming, but it was an event in which some Chechen... I love Eugene Merman and you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Could be that long to think about a famous Russian. He's Russian? <laughs> no, yes. Okay. Uh, well, at any rate, so, um, yeah, the, there was a Moscow theater um, and a group of Chechen rebels. Che- Chechnya is, of course, one of those, like, little nations that spun off of the USSR. Um, the, they were essentially freedom fighters, and they took a giant play full of people hostage. Uh, there was about 600 people in the theater. Um, you may remember, what was that recent Christopher Nolan movie? Tenet? Tenet? Remember the kind of the scenario in Tenet where they're like, you know, they're in that movie. They're, they're in the, the theater houses. Like, they're trying to do this, like, big espionage thing. I don't remember that part. You remember, like, the very beginning? No, I, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. At, any, at any rate, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting off the point here. So, essentially, what happened is, yeah, they, they took it hostage and had some demands. And Russia, in their infinite wisdom, decided that rather than kind of try to work with the host, work with the, uh, the terrorists who were holding all these people hostage, they pumped knockout gas into the entire building. Um, in an effort to just sort of put all of the uh, kidnappers asleep, I guess, effectively. What they didn't account for is the fact that a lot of the people, this would also knock out everybody, and a lot of them would land in weird positions. Uh, many of them would fall face down. So two over 200 people died. Shit. Yeah. Um, there were only like 12 rebels. So it's about 180 people died because... I want to get those 12... Right. Oh, and of course they they shot all of the rebels that were there, anyways. So like they basically walked in with guns and shot everybody. You're like, oops, we killed two hundred people. Um, and this is this is again this is a sign of how horrible it was. Not just for what happened, but how they handled it. Um, 
They took them months to release the names of the victims and return the bodies. Um, they were um, looted. The bodies were looted. All of them had, yeah, had everything stolen from them. Um, yeah, and they, there were no concessions made to the uh, families that lost people. Like, this was just Russia being like, uh, well, at least we got those 12 terrorists. <laughs> My God. You drop off the body with not even an apology. Just yeah. Like, hey, and this, this, this stands as, like, a, an example for the world of how not to handle a hostage negotiation. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, they, they they could have given them their demands and probably... And I, I didn't get a, a solid answer on this. I don't think the rebels killed anybody. I don't think the rebels actually murdered anybody. So all of the entire death toll was because of how the Russian police, I guess, chose to handle it. That sucks. Got any other depressing stories? Yeah, this is yeah, also thanks, Ryan. this is also now when we can finally get to talk about the closing. What we'll consider the closing chapter of the DC sniper event that mm-hmm. occurred. Yep. This is kind of when the pot boils over. Um, if you remember when we had last talked about it throughout September, I think they had shot like three or four people, and Across this is a bunch of different states. Yeah, yeah, traveling all over, um, and this is sort of the last leg of it, and it starts October second, where they uh, there are five different shootings all over the state of Maryland. Four of them result in fatalities. And then from there, the next day, I believe, someone else is shot. And then from then until the 17th of October, when they're eventually captured, they kill, I believe, or they shoot somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 people all across Maryland. Um, and they all, um, it, it kind of started this whole thing where everyone was just sort of in a complete state of terror trying to figure out what exactly happened and is happening and what's going on. And when they kill those four four people in one day and five shootings or whatever, it becomes very apparent that this isn't just some random shooting, um, that this is an organized effort. And they really, even in that moment, don't understand that this relates to a bunch of other shootings that had literally gone from Washington State, you know, all the way down to like Louisiana to Georgia and then back up to D.C. So... I mean, I don't really know what to get into first about it, but I would guess we can finally talk about the two people that did it. Like, mm-hmm. who was the DC sniper? Because when you think about it, there's like a lot of other um, famous serial killers and stuff that have nowhere near the body count of this guy. Yet they're almost sort of like fetishized in weird ways. We just have kind of this odd worship of serial killers. The one, the, the two in question is literally, it's a guy named John Allen Muhammad. Uh, you may hear the word Muhammad in his name, and he practiced Islam because his wife converted them to Islam. He didn't really care about the faith. He's like a, you know, like one of those people that would say like, yeah, my wife's the real Christian in the family. Hmm. He didn't care about the Muslim faith at all. He's also former military, so you may think he has a grudge with the military. And it's like, not really. He was he was giving a normal discharge from service. He served in... Uh, you know, in the Middle East for a while, but it was kind of unremarkable. There's nothing special to it. Um, what this essentially boils down to, and this is where the story goes kind of bonkers, is that this is basically the, the highest body count ever associated with what you would consider domestic violence. Everything about this guy's motivations and intentions has to do with his ex-wife, whose name is Mildred. Um, he had a number of children with her. He was apparently cheating on her. Um, just a horrible guy and they she eventually left him and the court determined that the kids should go with her he literally stole the kids and went to jamaica 
to the point where like the U.S. government had to go in and get the kids back to her, right? So then, while there, his quote-unquote, he found basically a quote-unquote son, and it sort of became a cult of one. He found this 17-year-old Jamaican boy named Lee Boy Malvo, who is still in prison to this day for what happened. But basically, he brain, he de facto brainwashed the kid, kind of made him do all this crazy stuff, and that's literally what they had been doing the whole time, is they got this, like, 90s sedan, it's a Chevy Caprice, they hollowed out a hole in the trunk, and Lee Malvo, the kid, would be in the trunk with a rifle, and uh, John Allen Muhammad would just drive around, and what they would do is they would just find people that were, like, standing still, like, someone who was mowing a lawn or pumping gas or waiting at a bus stop, and they would just shoot them and drive off. Like, there is no, no greater motivation for what they did than just simply causing terror in the community. Absolutely wild. And that's why he was in D.C., is that he had this grand ambition that he was going to kill all of these people and then finally end with killing Mildred, his ex-wife. But, of course, it never, never gets around to that because they get so caught up in this whole bizarre killing spree that they had. Um, Mildred in Maryland? Yeah. Do we, do we know? She's in, she, yeah, she's in D.C. And that's the first, the first woman that was murdered was actually in Washington State because mm-hmm. that's where they were. Like, that's where they were initially. To go from Jamaica to Washington State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he, he, he took the kids and went to Jamaica. He's not from Jamaica. Right, 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 like, right. This is just a place like, that he took them to to get, away, to get out of the country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. It is a really messed up scenario. Um, and I think one of the wildest things about it is, you know, admittedly, it's not an easy person to identify. It's not an easy person to capture. But this is definitely two sides of the coin here about the police investigation into how they're found. Because there's a lot of different resources out there now that you can listen to about what happened. And the most interesting one I found was literally from the perspective of Mildred, the wife, the sort of the centerpiece of all of this, the one who like understands the scenario and why it happened the best and how she's totally ignored. And in typical, you know, true crime fashion, there's this obsession with, you know, police profiling and all the work that the cops did. The police were beyond incompetent in every way imaginable through this. I've got like 10 bullet points we got to get through to talk about all the ways they fucked this case up so oh, yeah. badly. Three-part episode. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, so for starters, um, they misidentify the vehicle associated with it and were told many, many times about the correct vehicle but ignored it. They were told so they were looking for the wrong car the whole time. And you want to know what car they were looking for? I do. A white van. What do you think is one of the most common vehicles you would ever see on the road? A white van. Just a white service van. You know? So the entire time that all of this is happening, like, they're not looking for the right vehicle that these guys were using. And this was also after getting tons and tons, because they set up, like, um, call-in lines. You know, when they interviewed people on the scenes. And they were like, you know, yeah, I saw the shooting, and then someone fell down, and then I saw a blue sedan drive away. And that could have been him. We're looking for a white van. But we're looking for a white van. So the entire time, they got tons and tons of, of notifications of, of this one vehicle that was leaving the scene that they just never bothered to never bothered to look into. Um, there were tons of different profilers, of course. You know, the same kind of uh, profilers that they make fun of, like on South Park, when they show them with all of their mystic mm-hmm. powers. 
And just about everything is wrong. They say he's a working class guy. They all, all exclusively say he's white. And, oh, John Allen Muhammad is a black man. Um, they say that it was inspired by Columbine, that it's bored teenagers. Um, they, got, they brought in like, all these cold reading psychics, all of whom totally got everything about it wrong. Like nothing that they contributed nothing to it. It's, and yet, it's, it's, it's like, like this core component. Well, like you bring like profilers. I think like there's like uh, uh, crime dramas about these sort of people who you know draw these conclusions about who they're looking for before they actually know who they're looking for. And it, it seems like they're just playing the statistics. Like it's a white man in his thirties or forties, and he has problems with his dad. Yeah, I mean, probably, probably, probably brownish blonde hair, right? And, and um, average height, average weight. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're just going to, like, pick that same person every time, like, yeah, it, it, it's probably someone like that, but it doesn't make you Nostradamus <laughs> yeah. because that's the person it always is. And, yeah. you know, it, and again, you're just, like, starting at a conclusion, which is not detective work. Yeah. Um, so the police chief made a mistake by going out after, you know, everyone's in hysterics. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's afraid to just go outside and do anything for fear that they'll be the next person shot. And they, in their infinite wisdom, said in a police conference, like, don't worry, your children are safe. The next morning, they went out and shot a 13-year-old kid. Mm. Uh, really grim. Really grim. And it was done because they saw that statement from the from the cops. Um... So they literally got, they killed somebody just so they could leave a note on their body. And in the note, they complain about how hard it is to get in touch with the police. They've been calling in their line and nobody oh believes them. Oh my gosh. Them. One of the only ways that they actually get information to them is through a, like a, not, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a Catholic priest, he was a pastor. They literally went to a pastor and told the pastor this, this thing, like, you know, we're trying to get in touch with them. It's like, maybe you can do it. And they're like, that's, that's how one of the bits of information gets relayed to the police. And they don't even believe the pastor at first <laughs> that he would be told this. As if someone was like going to lie about this sort of thing. They, um, well, I'm sure people would. Yeah. Oh, again, because they're profiling a white man. Guess what? They find a, a white man, and it has two men in it who are from Guatemala. They then arrest and stop the investigation of... They, they completely stop the investigation. Wait, we, we got them, guys. We found two guys in a white van. We and did it's it. we two did guys it. that can't speak English from Guatemala that are uh, seasonal workers. But don't worry, they got deported. <laughs> they got deported anyway. We, we got them. So Jeez. yeah, yeah. So here's what, got deported for nothing. They got defor- deported for being in the wrong vehicle that they weren't even supposed to be looking for. Yeah. So apparently, the thing that actually did bring them in was that one of the cartridges from Alabama, as they were doing this crazy shooting, was found with a primer- fingerprint on it, and they were able to ID who it was, and then through that chain of events discovered that they had been traveling across country. They now not only knew the car, but they knew the license plate. And you know what? The police withheld that information from the public. They could have just gone out. And, and part of it is because, like, imagine that. Imagine there's someone who's been terror- terrorizing us, and they're like, oh, yeah. this is the car they're in, and they're in a fucking Publix parking lot. People would, you know, <laughs> armed Florida is. The cops yeah. wouldn't need to do anything. They would immediately get shot to death in the car for just random vigilantes. So they withheld that. But here's the thing. That information still leaked to the public. The guy who actually found their car, they were parked at a truck stop. It was someone who was listening to local talk radio. And they said, keep an eye out for this license plate number. And that was, lo and behold, the car in the parking lot. So that's how. And again, then they, they eventually the SWAT team comes in. They corner them. They, they pull the two of them out. 
Um, and that sort of ends this crazy run. Oh, and like he even like left a tarot card on him just to fuck with the police. Like he had no understanding of what tarot was, and he just intentionally left like the death card on on one of the bodies, <laughs> just to think yeah. it was just to fuck with them, just like to give them. And again, the profilers think of that one, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And like one of the people I was listening to talk about it knows a lot about tarot, and they're like, death just means like rebirth. It means a ch- it means a change. It doesn't mean anything. Like there are certain cards that signify very horrific things in tarot, but it's just such a casual understanding of it it's like oh you see a skeleton that probably is a bad card (laughs) (laughs) oh wow it's just it's so wild and yeah and you know they're they're patting each other back and spraying them down with champagne the cops are like yeah we fucking got them (laughs) (laughs) thanks to all our hard work it's not easy and i'm not saying it's easy what what they had what they were tasked with doing but Man, it was uh, a rough, rough sledding for them. Oh, and you want to know the very first thing that John Allen said when he was interrogated? I do. Mildred made me do it. He blamed his wife, mm. which is insane. Who is, by all accounts, just a good woman. Like, had did nothing to deserve all of this horrible stuff. You know? Oh, it, it really broke my heart to hear her side of it and her perspective on it. Cause, oh, and she's also a victim's advocate now, so, like, she's... Turn this into a very good thing. She does public speaking. You can go find videos of her everywhere talking, going into great length about how nobody cared, about how many times she reported him to the police and they didn't do shit about it, how one of the shelters he was staying at, one of the guys called in and reported him by name and said, this guy is, and this is, again, keep in mind, this is literally less, This is these events are occurring less than a year after September 11th. He should have been like, the most obvious, I mean, I'm not saying that because you practice Islam that you're dangerous, but his last name is Muhammad. And he's talking about like, destroying government buildings. Hmm. Yeah, totally, those, totally those insane. Awesome red flags. Totally awesome red insane. Flags. Yeah. And the only time, and literally after calling the police dozens of times on it, Mildred said the only time that they would do anything about it or even submit paperwork to try to start getting on, what do you, what do you call it, um, uh, where, you, where you can't get within a certain distance of something, or straight oh, yeah was when he finally accidentally threatened her life. When on a call that she had recorded, he threatened to stab her. And they're like, okay, that counts. <laughs> After all this horrifying abuse that he had put her through, they needed a death threat. Wild. Oh, goddamn. It's heartbreaking. Oh, and yeah, and oh my god, like, there's even more if I, if you don't mind, I saw mine. Fast forward, he gets put on trial. He, so... Wait, he, what was the trial? When? I believe it was just like a year after this. It wasn't okay. wasn't long after. He opted to defend himself. He was his own wow. legal counsel. Wonderful. Which is absurd that they would let him do that. And, and he was they also... They have to. They, have, they can't yeah. not let him. I believe this is the only time anyone in the state of Maryland had ever been tried under what these new terrorism laws. Mm-hmm. There was, of course, every state passed terrorism laws that basically said, if you're a terrorist, we're going to fucking... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Um, and... There is an inherent issue with doing that because terrorism, by its definition, affects everyone. It's trying. It's 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 indiscriminate. It's not targeting anyone in particular. It's targeting everyone. So the, logically, how could you even have a jury when everybody on the jury could claim victimhood of a terrorist? You can't even really have an impartial jury. You have to have a disinterested, disinterested jury. And the very definition of terrorism is that it's designed to invoke fear in everyone. So, I mean, 
obviously, and, you know, he doesn't even understand. He doesn't understand shit about law. They barely get through the trial when it's just rubber stamped. Like, yeah, this, this guy fucking did it. Um, he is uh, executed eventually. Um, uh, Lee Malvo is the interesting one because at the time, keep in mind, he's 17 years old. He is a kid from Jamaica, and he has basically been brainwashed. Um, so what do you do about that? He's a cult of one. So he essentially gets a life. And mind you, when they get him into the interrogation room, he confesses everything, and he says he was the master hind behind it all and, like, tries to do everything he can to defend John oh. Allen Muhammad because he's fucked them up so badly. Like, again, this guy is such a weird... Like, he really does have that gift, the gift of gab, you know, that, like... Sometimes people are just manipulators and are good. Like, they, they talk fast and long enough that you just start yeah. to believe the things they're saying. You know, the world has cult leaders. There are cult leaders. And he is certainly the kind of guy who is capable of that, even if he is just such this seemingly loser dirtbag. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by how those conversations were like, how did he talk the kid into saying that it was his idea? Like, they're, they're just sitting at a table, like, I heard you say the other day that we should drive around America and shoot people. I think you had a great idea there. And I don't, I don't want to get into... I don't remember into... saying that at all, John. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> well, Lee Malvo, too, will kind of tell you all about it and, and what was kind of what brought him to that place and why he found him to be such a, you know, magnetic person. Hmm. And slowly broke him down and, and made him do all of these things. It's, um, it's interesting... Part of what his thing is that he was sort of devoid of that positive influence in his life. And he talked about his early life in Jamaica and how his mom was basically abusive and how she basically disowned him. Um, and that this guy comes along and is trying to make him feel better about himself, but also, like, again, totally fucking with him. And blaming all of the problems in his life on other people. And, yeah, he, again, I'm not, I'm not absolving Lee Malvo of, of any of this. He's clearly a... a I mean, I guess I'll say he's a weak-minded person to have succumbed to this pressure to then go shoot 15 to 20 sure. people. Yeah, yeah. There's still, like, steps. some guy says to do it. They're, they're, yeah, there's steps in between, like, uh, a trauma childhood and then some guy coming and sitting at your table and being like, hey, you know, it, it sucks that your mom was so mean to you, but I know you bet you're good at shooting people from the trunk of a car. Yeah. So, you know, he, he gets put on trial, and he kills, he's currently life in prison and he is up for parole but his paroles have all been denied hmm. um so i don't know it's a it's a, it's a fuck this is the biggest news story of the year i, I, will, sure. I, will, I will say that this is the biggest i'm, I'm so sorry anaheim angels <laughs> <laughs> this is the biggest no news we story do all apologize to a totally irrelevant franchise from the year 2002 until the present day uh, that's not entirely true they were good a couple more times but yeah I'm sure I'm missing beats, but I think these are the big things that stuck out about this. I would, I would, I would urge anybody, go, go find out about this event. It, it is absolutely wild, and it's so misunderstood and misreported. Because hmm. um, I remember vaguely this happening, and I just remember, like, before looking at any of this stuff, I was just like, okay, it was a, it was like a terrorist thing. Like, yeah, like yeah. I was driving around. Oh, and that's the other thing is, like, in the same way that basically... Um, we launched a, a 20 year war because a bunch of guys got on airplanes with box cutters. Like, this is a guy that bought a car for $300 and got a rifle for $80. Mm -hmm. Like, and he just completely broke down and, the entire tri state area. And only the car was registered. <laughs> yeah. 
How about that? Nowadays, you spend two hundred dollars registering a car, though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's. I'm not gonna say any more about it. That's. That's. Uh, I think a, a fascinating bit of history. Uh, video games. Yeah. 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 Video, video games. Really nice um, Wes, take us away. Got some video games. <laughs> you got the list. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, are... I just coast on this podcast. I'm, I'm really, I'm really just here to spend time with you guys. Just along for the ride. That's yeah. a beautiful just, thing. Just yeah. There were a number of GameCube games. Why don't we start? We'll start with the GameCube because there was like well, October, a crazy busy month for I know, games. It's absolutely wild across most platforms. Not so much the Xbox, but fuck that system. Um, I'll start with uh, start with the X Men. Okay, yes. I'm gonna start just. Talking about Xbox games exclusively. I'm gonna podcast. stop recording when you. Go. <laughs> there's like five of them. Don't worry. <laughs> there are not many. Well, Xbox there's, there's, well this one, this was a multi-platform one. X Men: The Next Dimension. This one is it's a fighting game. It is part of a series of X Men fighting games, uh, previously called X Men Mutant Academy. Um, the, the first one was on the, the, the PlayStation One, the Game Boy Color. The second one was only PlayStation One. So this is. This fighting game starring the X-Men coming into the next generation, developed by Exact Entertainment on the GameCube and published by Activision. It's a fighting game with 24 playable X-Men characters, and I will name them for you now. Oh, wait, can, oh I, can, I, can I take some? Can yeah. I take some? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Are yours in alphabetical order? Uh, uh, vaguely. I'm reading Most from the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Bas- Bastion? Uh-huh. Beast? Betsy? Is that Betsy? Betsy Braddock. Okay, okay. I already don't so know who Bastion or Betsy is. So Bastion that's is... That's Psylocke, right? Uh, it is Psylocke. Bastion is a... a yeah. Kind of, kind of like a, a sentinel leader. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop. Uh-huh. Blob. Cyclops. Dark Phoenix. Forge. Gambit. Havoc. Juggernaut. Deathstrike. Magneto. Mystique. Nightcrawler. Phoenix, who's not Dark Phoenix, but there are a couple of characters like Phoenix and Psylocke who have counterparts, and you unlock the the, the counterpart by playing through the game. Yeah, a character that only Wes gets because he plays on his Xbox Pyro, Rogue, <laughs> Sabretooth, Sentinel A and B. Yep, no C. Storm, Toad, and Wolverine, Mrs. Tabby Hands, everybody's <laughs> yes. favorite. Um, so I think that's a good roster. Who's Death Strike? Who's Death Strike? Lady, um, Lady Deathstrike. Oh, Lady Deathstrike. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, well, she was Lady Deathstrike at the time. Now she just goes by Deathstrike because there's no man Deathstrike. It's just it's just her, so she can be Deathstrike. Well, not anymore, there isn't. I mean, she wants to be Countess Deathstrike. <laughs> Baroness Deathstrike. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's a, a PvP fighting game. Um, if there's an arcade mode, there's a whole story mode. The story mode has narration from Patrick Stewart. Oh my gosh. But Xavier is not one of these characters in the fighting game for obvious reasons. Um, there are costumes, like uh, costume swaps for each character in the game. Oh, they there's get, outfits. There's outfits that they get um, based on the comic book look for New X-Men, which is one of the ongoing series at the time, as well as Extreme X-Men, the other ongoing X-Men comic series at the time um and so everyone's wearing like leather dusters and stuff yeah 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 that was the the, the new x-men look kind mm-hmm. of based on the the sort of redone looks from the the movies oh you talk i feel like the last time that you did a roundup about what was going on in the x-men world you talked about that because that was the grant grant uh, morrison yeah grant morrison yeah. The, the new x-men line and our, our old friend chris claremont was writing extreme x-men at the time oh delightful so, uh they, so the game is a, a 3D fighter. You have polygonal models moving in three-dimensional arenas. 
Um, there's a lot of comparisons made to the Dead or Alive series with this game. The game doesn't not look particularly good, graphically speaking. The no. models are blocky. The characters move pretty slowly. And you can say what you want about how like exploitative or pandering the Dead or Alive series is. Go ahead. I'll wait. Say what you want. Um, it's BMX X is the worst, though. Dead or Alive <laughs> looks way better than this. <laughs> I, it reviewed quite poorly. It's a pretty inauspicious entry for the X-Men video game compendium. There will be much better X-Men games on GameCube as well as other platforms. I'm talking about games like X-Men Legends, X-Men Legends Apocalypse. Delightful games. Can't wait till we talk about those. You well, can- at this point, like Marvel vs. Capcom it also must have been around for a long time, multiple years, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, because we were talking about that game on Dreamcast. Like, oh, yeah, 96 mm-hmm. was when X-Men vs. Street Fighter came out. And that's like a great run of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, like if you're looking for a fighting game with X-Men characters and Marvel's Capcom series, sadly, none of that ever comes to GameCube. I think there was a PS2 entry that we may have already talked about. I think that was already out on PS2. Yeah, that was the apparently in 2000. That's where Marvel vs. Capcom mm-hmm. 2 came out. Um, I played a ton of that. But the big difference, of course, being that you're talking about like 2D sprites versus the 3D sure. thing sure. that they're going for here. Yeah, and we'll we'll see a lot of um, game series, even ones that we're, we're holding out. On using polygons, we'll move into polygons in this generation as we move into like the, the true like modern age of gaming. You can get a used copy of this X Men game for twenty bucks if you feel like it, and we are going to rank it. I think this game definitely goes below Capcom versus SNK, the other fighting game we have on the list. Certainly, um, I think it also goes below. This is like a bottom of the list game. So if you guys are comfortable with it, I'm just going to pencil it in. At number 28, which is above 007, Agent Under Fire. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine. We're doing this totally I never never (laughs) like fighting games, and this doesn't look great at all. Yeah, for sure. Next up, uh, speaking of games that could be argued as exploitative, Blood Rain. Yeah. And you had something to say about this one, too. Uh, just, I actually love this game, and I'm not yeah, gonna, I'm not okay. gonna say it's a great game. Um, I think that I went back and looked at some stuff about this, and I think that it is a fantastically mid game. It is not amazing, but what I think that it does is sort of capture all of the fun cheese that you could imagine for a, a game of its nature. Um, you know, it's it's a basically a 3D hack and slash like. It's what, what Devil May Cry would mm-hmm. become as a franchise. Or who, who's the girl now? Bayonetta. Bayonetta. Uh, yeah. Bayonetta. But that whole franchise is like... Yeah, so it's a character action game. They exist because of Blood Rain. I, well, when did Devil May Cry come out? Was that before Before this? Blood Rain. Okay. Yeah. So that's slightly before. I think what this game does that what Devil May Cry probably doesn't do, I haven't really played a lot of the games, so I can't speak to it, is that it does take all of the fun weirdness of... The occult and vampires and Nazis. It is it is a mad lib of all of the things you think you want in a game. I think like uh, Devil May Cry One is a bit more self serious than you get like some out of Blood Rain. But then when you, by the time you get to Devil May Cry Three, it's definitely camping it up. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, in this game, um, it's which all- to its credit, there it makes it better. Oh yeah, Devil May Cry Three is great. Oh yeah, Devil May Cry Three is great. The other ones are. Garbage. Devil Cry 2 is trash. Devil Cry 1 is still pretty good. It's okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're going to fight. Okay, you guys, you guys get to it. Uh, no, no I, th- I think that, yeah, this game is like a 3D action game. It also looks and feels a little bit more something like Tomb Raider or that Heavy Metal mm-hmm. Fact 2 game, which was good. I will stick up for that one. Yeah, especially like the, the minimal platform that you're doing reminded me a lot of Tomb Raider. Um, I think 
graphically, this game is actually really, really strong, especially on PC. I looked at a side-by-side comparison of PC, which is how I played it when I was younger, compared to a PlayStation 2. PC version blows out of the water. It's fucking crazy how kind of, yeah, bad it looks, frankly, on the PS2 compared to a PC. I don't know if Wes is the one that makes that argument, but the the graphical fidelity matters. The console (laughs) version of this game, the doesn't look particularly good. It's like these really long, lanky models running through bland environments. Yeah, I think and that's what you're missing when you look at the details of those. Uh, and granted, there are some kind of cavernous areas, especially when the action dies down. You really get a sense of how big it is and how kind of repetitive some of the tiling can be. But on a PlayStation 2 version of the game that I, I look at, the tile has no detail to begin with. Mm-hmm. On a PC version, it's actually very detailed and colorful and intricate, so... You're missing something there. But what are we even talking about that shit for? Like, this game has, <laughs> has slow-mo, dual-wielding, a really fun mechanic um, where you don't just pick up a gun and then now you have a, a pistol slot and a shotgun slot and a machine gun. You basically just churn through weapons and you pick them up as you go. There's no reloading, you know? You burn through a gun until it's out of ammo, and then you kill something and steal their gun. Um, you know, yeah, dual-wielding different kinds of weapons... Um, there's bullet hell combat like you can literally slow down time in the game you have a meter that causes a blood frenzy in which you basically just you know turn everybody into burger um (laughs) the game has has breast physics guys this they know advanced 10 out 10 they know their audience and they have ahead of the time so many great cutscenes literally involve someone just like coming into frame and just a pair of tits jiggling <laughs> like, this is this is totally who they're, they're targeting this is when games got really mature fellas there's a ton of knowingly weird occult references in it too because of course this is about nazis and i think it's is it, there's like one of the nazi propagandists i think his name's himmler was obsessed with the idea of finding atlantis so there's literally a mission that takes place in Atlant- Atlantis that you have to go to fucking oh, fight the Nazis. Oh, my God, that's amazing. All the boss battles are hilarious because they look like they could be the fucking guys that lead their own games. Yeah, don't, don't like, Google Nazis too much because you don't want, like, the internet to send you down a rabbit hole. Well, <laughs> Nazis were, like, 90% evil and 10% just a bunch of fucking weirdos. There are some strange, strange, wacky people. Careful, John, you're going to piss off our Nazi listeners. <laughs> they can fuck right off. Yeah, I mean, you, you see, like, the later hosen that they wear. They're <laughs> deeply silly people. Oh, sure. It's insane that they were the ones that would do these horrific things during right. World War II. But we digress. And that's why it's fun to be a big-titted uh, vampire murdering Nazis. <laughs> that's like, again, this game couldn't is... Have a, couldn't have picked a better target. Like, that's... It is good. You found the bad guy, right? You know, this is it is just slop, slop for the pigs. That's what this game is, and it's it's delightfully fun. If you guys haven't played it, you really should play it. It handles actually the game handles really, really well. It's tough in the right kind of way. The game doesn't ever really feel mean, and you're not like uh, totally invincible. See, what 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 I noticed, and I I never played it, um, but when I was like watching it, I was. The, the person who was playing must not have been very good because I'm watching it and it's like supposed to be like this really fast, fluid action, but she was having to hit the same targets over and over again. And I think like from a design perspective, if you want to keep the game moving quickly, you can't have all these damage sponges. Well, what you should be doing if you're doing the game, right? Mind you, you are a vampire, so you drink their blood to, you know, heal yourself. So you should be moving around from them. You can also like keep in mind as you're like holding onto them and drinking from their neck, you can shoot your gun over their shoulder. Like, you can, with your other hand, shoot another target, who, mind you, is shooting the guys who you're drinking the blood of, too. So if they're just sitting there trying to shoot everything to death, they're doing it wrong. 
it should and also doing things like that increase your blood rage bar which then lets you go go ham on everybody okay what the fuck I, i'm watching a boss fight right now where it's like it, it looks oh this is the yeah this is the priest this yeah, is like she's, the, she's fighting a priest who's at like a podium in like this cathedral yeah and all of a sudden the podium a machine gun shoots out the front of it you close the gap and then it just goes backwards on rails and it's like pumping it like one of those old-timey train carts it's called the rectory you heathen like what the f- like what Awesome. <laughs> so you're just fighting this guy in a box as he's shooting with a machine gun, and you're doing flips over pews and shit. This is this is hilarious. That's great. I, mean, I think I, I think I think I've said everything I need to say about this game. Um, it is it is like a heat seeker to a angsty thirteen year old boy audience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah, especially with uh, that boob physics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have a couple of notes about this game. Uh, developed by a company called Terminal Reality and published by Majestica in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, you might recognize the developer Terminal Reality because they're the developer of Terminal Velocity. Oh, classic game. The that, boobs on the ship aren't that, aren't that great. They're a little too the, blocky. The, 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 the spaceship? Yeah. Um, and and the, these, these developers, they're still around. And actually, they just did a Blood Rain 1 and 2 re-release in 2020 and oh, 2021. I was going to say that. Yeah, you can get it on the Switch. Yeah. They, they also remastered Terminal Velocity for uh, PC and Switch earlier this year. Which I bought. I actually did get Terminal Velocity. And not at all. From what I was wise about this game, it just kind of looks like, at least the console version, you were saying some good things about the PC version. The console version looks kind of primitive and embarrassing, especially coming out after Devil May Cry. Because Devil May Cry is very much like a very combo-oriented action game. So have you heard of a thing called dimpling? No. And and, uh, this was was explained to me why it looks so much better on the PC versus consoles, is that there's this thing called dimpling that you can do with textures that... When light hits something, like imagine like, um, what do you call those? The disco ball. Mm. You can have it so where it's a lot of different spots that shoot lights in lots of different directions. And console gaming just kind of couldn't handle the process the way that, mm. that PC graphics cards could. So they use a lot of it. And they basically had to completely strip that off of the game. Mm. So a lot of the textures are low res. The lighting looks bad. It's, it's, it's a, it is a drastic difference between the quality of, of both of those graphically. Um, I, I would assume that the gameplay still hold, holds up the same, but yeah, yeah, you're not gonna. It's not gonna look as nice because that was not really what it was intended for. It was it was meant to be a PC game, I think. So it takes. Um, it reviewed okay at the time. I think it was trading a lot. At least the console version it was trading a lot of like the edginess and sexualization. Like, hey, games are finally getting mature because we're being vampires, sucking blood out of people. Yeah. Um, it takes about eight hours to play through. That's not uh, not too bad for this uh, this sort of game. Mm-hmm. You can get a used copy of the GameCube for about 40 bucks, or you can just get it on Switch for 20 bucks and get the better-looking, probably better-playing version of it. Yeah. And I think this guy got to go on sale with some frequency on, on one Switch. Thing, one would think. But now we got to rank it. So, uh, you, you, Ryan, I'm going to rely on your judgment here for, for a bit. Yeah, this, looks, this looks really wacky, um, but I don't know how good it is. Better than Monkey Ball, huh? Monkey Ball 1 and 2 are right now our number 12 ranked game. Are we putting Blood Rain in the top 15? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah? This game's great. What, what's ranked 10? What's, what's, what do we got? What's 10 through 9? Or like, let's say, say 10 through 11. What's that? 10, nine, 10, 9 through 11. Uh, SSX Tricky, Sonic Advance 2, and Gauntlet Dark Legacy. Better than all those. In my opinion. My humble opinion. It sounds like you don't really like this game, though. So I don't want to... Um, Wes, are you comfortable putting this game above Gauntlet? 
I was waiting for him to bring that up. I mean, I pooped my pants for Gauntlet, so I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't, you don't know what's going to come out of your I'm, not, I'm not pro for <laughs> anything about Gauntlet. I mean, if you want, I'm sacrificed for that game. Um, <laughs> I don't like that story. That's <laughs> she wasn't paying attention. She doesn't know why I said Okay. <laughs> Let's just pencil it in at four and move on. <laughs> whoa, 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 now, whoa, now. Animal Crossing is number four, so. I'm not putting this game above it. Oh, we don't do ties, so I guess... Uh, guess um, I'm, I'm fine with it going above Gauntlet, I guess. All right, yeah, uh, I, this, not, this not, list really does mean nothing. Ryan really likes the one. We're doing this scientifically. Ryan, I love that. This game is great. Ryan really likes that game. I am, I am okay with putting it as high as number nine for now, no higher. No, thank you. Wait, what was what was nine originally? SSX Tricky. Uh, yeah. So you're saying bumping Tricky to ten? Yeah, SSX Tricky is down to number ten now. Oh, SSX Tricky was such a good game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually kind of uh, dragged SSX. We, when we, we talked we, about it. They're kind of shitty too. To uh, all snowboarding games. <laughs> I think that was probably yeah. That's more apt. With SSX Tricky, I played the shit out of that. It game. is a fun game. That game was a joy. So something we might address when uh, when. The, another SXX game comes up, and I think there's two more on the GameCube. Is do we group them together like we do Monkey Ball? But anyway, that's that's a conversation for another. I'm time. fine with that. <laughs> Let's move over to another GameCube game, Time Splitters Two. Yes, oh, this, this is, is a, a multi-platform one as well. Also PS2 and Xbox. Mm-hmm. Is this an arcade game where you with the pedestal? That was Time Crisis. That's Time so, Crisis. Okay, also, yeah. also okay. a great game. Tremendous. That is game. a great game. Not enough pedal-based games comes sure. to the GameCube. I mean, give, give me give me an add-on for my Switch, where it's just a pedal, so I can jump behind. Cover. I mean, the GameCube will eventually get that DDR pad. Maybe they should have incorporated that a little bit. Oh my sure. gosh, we, we should make games. <laughs> it's so easy. We should do it. So this is, a, this is a big one, I think. Yeah, I think this, this, this game is important. This one is developed by Free Radical, published by Eidos. Is this a two or one we're doing? Two. So this is two. Okay. first one, I think we talked about really briefly a couple years back because it was a PS2 exclusive. It might have been PC as well, I'm not sure. But it did not come to GameCube, that's for sure. So Free Radical, they're a development company. They were formed in the late 90s. They're made up, or they were made up, of a lot of expatriates from Rare. After they had yep. done work on Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, a lot of people consider this to be the true sequel to, to Goldeneye. Mm. So, and, and if you got, I don't know if it was in your notes, but this group, this core group of developers, would also be the ones that go to develop the Crisis series. Yes, so yes, that's, that's crazy. Um, I didn't get too much because we'll we'll talk about Free Radical a few times throughout uh, the retro show uh, for for this generation. I think they have a bit of a, a tortured history as we're getting into like the mid aughts and the early teens. So we'll talk about their fate. Uh, would you say the true sequel to? Goldeneye? Is that what you said? Because they made a... Isn't it like third from worst on our list? They made a, a, gold, a 007 installment? Nightfire, but that wasn't made by Rare. Yeah. I think Activision... Activision? Maybe it's EA. I'm not mm-hmm. sure who... who I don't remember exactly who developed that one. But yeah, the, um, the 007 license uh, passed over. And Rare, I think Rare only made Goldeneye. Yeah. And then they did Perfect Dark. And... Like this is the sort of continuation of that philosophy of, or lineage of shooters, and and it's more like the fact that the, this is a lot of the game devs that were directly on GoldenEye, even though this okay. isn't a 007 property. It feels and looks a lot like it, um, and it has a lot of the same kind of you know style to it. That but, and again, there there was there's already a, a 007 game that we that, that got absolutely horrible reviews, not made by this group. So, like, the 007 is going to do its own thing, but people love GoldenEye. Yeah. They, distinct, oh, yeah. they, they specifically love GoldenEye. 
And, and if you so, like that, this is probably the game for you. And with like 007 games, like Goldeneye is good and everything else is garbage. <laughs> That's kind of the way it worked out. Yeah. Where did we put Goldeneye? Oh, it was like a top 10. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. N64 game. But we stopped ranking the N64 games because we kind of got bored with that library. Oh, yeah, we did. That, <laughs> was, that, was, that was rough. That was yeah. rough. Oh, but, but to Time Splitters 2, I think it's interesting because um, it's it's a game in which, as the name suggests, you, you hop through different time periods. Yeah, every um, level is a different... Yeah, so you may be in, like, the, the game starts, I believe, in the 90s, but then it goes to, like, the 1930s Prohibition. There's some that are even earlier than that, like like Mayan era... And then you have some that go as far as I think. I mean, I think it's a token year, but it's like twenty eight hundred or some shit. Like they put you way in the future. And what is I think really impressive about that is that there's not a lot of carryover of like things like weapons and stuff. Again, it's not a game where you have your same pistol and shotgun and machine gun. Every environment that you're in, every level you hop through in this game as you're skipping through time, has its own weapons and own stuff. And unlike a lot of the first person shooters that have you go. Find the blue key to unlock the door that gets you to the red key to unlock the exit. This is a game that came up with much more clever, like, objectives. Things you had to do in the levels that weren't just simply unlocking doors. Yeah, and that's where, like, the, the Goldeneye Perfect Dark lineage comes in. Because you do have, like, those sort of objectives in those games. And, like, and as you go, you'll activate, like, different objectives. There'll be side objectives that you can do on, like, in some difficulty levels, they're mandatory. Like, as you get uh, to the harder difficulty levels, you have to do every objective to move on to the next mission. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I think that the art style is, it almost feels like a proto, like, Overwatch. Mm. It has that same yeah, kind of, shading. that bubbly artwork that you come to expect from, like, a modern Blizzard game. Yeah, it, make, it makes it hold up a lot better than I think so, yeah. some other stuff in this era. It's just, I, and I played this even when I was younger. Like I have, I didn't play it again. I watched some videos just to remind myself. I had some big waves of nostalgia. Um, I loved this game. I thought it was a great game at the time. Um, oh, it I, even has a going on health bar. Yeah, yeah, like the like the, oh, the two curves, the two curved circles around you. Yeah, yeah, pretty sick. Uh, some other bullet points. You get full co-op in story mode. I, I can't remember. Did West? Do you remember if Perfect Dark did co-op in story mode? I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't play much of the Perfect Dark um, story mode. It was mostly just you and your brothers yelling at me because... Death matches. Well, it was mostly us yelling at Jeremy because he's using laptop guns in the far side. Oh, I, I remember this because, yeah, they, they would play that one level over and over again where they'd just, like, go to that one, like, alcove room and have their sniper rifles and set up a, a sentry gun. Yeah, set up the laptop the gun and then... Uh, grab the far scythe and go in the corner where it shoots through walls mm. and auto targets on the enemy for you. <laughs> it's like, God, that's not fair. But it, it sucks. <laughs> and in Time Splitters too, you, you get get the uh, the four players split screen multiplayer like death matches and team death matches captured. Like, there's a ton of different uh, multiplayer modes in this one. Um, it is really meant for couch co-op in that regard. There's there's other like first person shooters that are meant for like online play. Of course, that that becomes sort of standard expectation but I think this is like still a series that wanted to be couch co-op yeah yeah like an experience to share together other versions of this game did have like up to 16 player like through like LAN play yeah um which might not make any sense to people listening now, but you, <laughs> you, you connect your consoles together and can play on separate TVs and have like one game going mm-hmm. um but no that's for for the GameCube sadly reviewed really well across all platforms um 
quote unquote um, overwhelmingly positive, meaning it got like a ninety or better on the, all the major platforms. Yeah, I also thought it was uh, like as I'm looking through all these games, really quaint that different games have reviews for every platform. It's not just like no, here's the game and here's how it is. Yeah, I do think it's interesting to see those stack up and how often time like mostly they're the same. Mm. Like for the most part, it's, it's like 80, 88, 87, and ninety. Right. Like, all right. So everyone kind of generally liked them regardless of the platform. So. Um, I definitely looks looks pretty good. Big step over Perfect Dark, Golden Eye. Um, the stylized character models work work really well for them. I don't think like uh, I'm sure it can be emulated, but this did not come out on PC. Right. Yeah, so, I don't know that this uh, has this gotten any re-releases. I can't remember. I, I think there were like some some sort of effort to bring it into HD at one point, but I don't think it ever materialized. Yeah. Um, about uh, six to eight hour. Story mode, not too bad. You get a used copy of this for about 40 bucks. Um, it exactly didn't like become the multiplayer shooter du jour for the generation. You'd see something like Halo kind of take that mantle from GoldenEye or Perfect Dark. But yeah, sure. really, really, really solid game. I think this is one that definitely deserves some consideration near the top of the GameCube rankings. Ryan, above or below Blood Rain? <laughs> I would think Blood Rain is a more fun game, and if I were to go back and play one, I probably would do Blood Rain. But this Rain looks better. This is a definitely a better game, and I would, you know, I wouldn't be the contrarian that goes against the ninety-two out of a hundred from critics. Like they correctly nailed this as a great, great game with all kinds of fantastic ideas. It looks great. It plays great. I think it is better than Blood Rain. <laughs> Um, okay, we, we got a, we have a yeah. couple of top ten GameCube games to talk about this yeah. time around. We sure do. Um, well, well, give me uh, five through seven. Five through seven. We got Eternal Darkness, Star Wars, Rogue Leader, and Pikmin. This feels like a good six. I don't know if I necessarily put it above. I would put it above the Star Wars game. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Above but, Pikmin still though. Pikmin's not good and was never good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, it's been good having you on this podcast. How dare you, sir? How dare you? I'm gonna, I might, I might uh, stick Pikmin above Star Wars. We'll see. See how I'm feeling over the next few days. I'm fine with that. that. I will support that decision. But <laughs> Pikmin above Rogue Leader? Yeah, I'd support okay. that decision. But the, still, you're saying this above Pikmin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep time splitters. Yeah. Um, because I think Pikmin deserves some credit for being. Uh, kind of a, a new take on a RTS. Anyway, um, Time Splitters 2. Big, I, big I still have to make you defend it with every breath. No, I know. I, I don't, it, it I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I don't mean, I'm not dragging Pikmin. Pikmin is rightly where it is on the list. I think it's a good game. Mario Party 4. You guys have got our first Mario Party for the GameCube. No, that's that. All right. So what's no, the next game? No <laughs> S-tier franchise, right? We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, developed by Hudson Soft, published by Nintendo, of course. This is the debut Mario Party for the GameCube. And we know Mario Party is a known quantity. It's a board game with Mario. It's got six, six different boards. It's no Dokobone Kingdom. But... It's no Dokobone Kingdom. You roll the dice, you move around the board, you get the stars. Uh, this version has 60 mini-games. Uh, a mini-game is automatically activated at the end of uh, the, the round of turns after each player has taken a turn. Um... It's the one where you win all the mini-games, mini but the game finds a way to not let you win. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, they, they give out random awards for like, hey, you lost the most coins. Here's a star for you. You um, had the fastest inputs when it was your turn. <laughs> <laughs> you wasted you're, the least amount of time. You're the best looking. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the mini-games, they range from like a free-for-all, you have a 1v3, a 2v2, a bunch of different setups. Um, 
is making good use of all those controller ports because you can get all four players going. You can adjust the length of the game by setting the number of turns. It could take an hour. It could take all fucking day if you decide to set it for like 50 turns because you're a crazy person. Is, um, is Drybones a playable character? Drybones is not playable. So it's, it's just immediately. Just, just immediately. Just. Uh, the, but the reviews were all over the place with this game. Like Game Informer gave it a 3 out of 10 because there are a bunch of joyless fuckwads over there. Um, Common Sense Media, 5 out of 5. <laughs> you're you're right there. These reviews are Common everywhere. Sense Media sounds like some sort of right wing propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> Uh, it does sell over 2 million units. That's pretty good. Not bad at all. You can have one of your own for the low, low price of $120. Oh, my God. Uh, and you cannot get this anywhere else. You can only play it on the original version. I don't know what the cheapest GameCube version of Mario Party is. It was 4, 5, or 6. But, you know, when you've played one of these games, going back to a previous version, there's not really a whole lot of benefit out of doing other than morbid curiosity. But that's it for Mario Party 4, unless you guys have anything you want to say about it. I don't think this game goes in the top 15, maybe. Uh, what do you guys think? Above or below Star Fox Adventures? Probably above. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like people could genuinely have fun. Okay. Yeah, opposed to Star Wars, Star Fox Adventures. <laughs> uh, how about well, the, the next game up is NBA Street. Oh, that's tough. Um, and I, is Mario Party a better game than NBA Street? <laughs> is Mario Party a better game than the Square Enix basketball game that they made with the Mario, uh, Mario Party? Mario 3 on 3? <laughs> Jeez. Um, I, th- I, think, I think it's it's nebulous at this point. I really don't know. Well, I, I don't know enough to say one is better than the other. I, about, think, I, think, it's comp- I think it's fair company. How about Monkey Ball? Ooh, um, I, think Mario, I don't think Mario Party is as good as Monkey Ball. Probably did it out, probably outsold Monkey Ball, don't you think? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's Monkey no Ball, way it didn't. Yeah. Monkey Monkey Ball had to like combine one and two to get the million sales. But there's a reason why they there's Mario Kart Mario yeah, Party. Yeah, I, I would put stars and eight and shit. I would put it above Monkey Ball, but I would stop there. I don't need to hear another. Okay, Wes. <laughs> good news. It's not going above Gauntlet Dark Legacy. <laughs> Ooh, good. Yeah, you better not. Oh. Yeah. A cold day in hell before I approve that. <laughs> and maybe this It'll be a soggy one. day in your face. <laughs> 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 and maybe this is another one where we, we combine That's how I Mario. say cool in, in hell, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe this is another one where we combine the Mario parties in, in the ranking system here and just kind of group them all together. Is it true there were four Mario parties on GameCube? There, I think there's three Mario parties on GameCube. Four, okay. five, and six. Yeah, it's Mario Party Double Dash. Well, well, you're right. Maybe we should treat them as like a collective. So when the next one rolls around, if it's significantly better, we're going to consider its placement. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. This is another multi-platform game. Yeah. I game. didn't know they did a 4. I thought it was only 1 and 2. Uh, there's, yeah. There's, there's actually an interesting video I watched about this. Come on. Uh, well, what, what, did you have some... Oh, this one was developed by Neversoft, published yeah. by Activision. It's the high-level stuff first. Neversoft will make more Tony Hawk games, like you said. But this is... Not quite the last one, but the last one one for quite some time that has like the pro skater brand. They'll move on to like it's like one through four, and then under yeah, uh, Thug, the Tony Hawk Undergrounds, and then they would move into like more open downhill and yeah, yeah, a bunch of different stuff. Um, But then this company never stopped. They will eventually work on a little game called Guitar Hero. We'll get to that, and then they'll also work on uh, Call of Duty. They don't actually. What was the name of the company? 
never soft. They don't you actually see a doctor. <laughs> they, don't, they don't actually create Guitar Hero. That's a whole nother mess that we'll get into someday. Uh, never soft. They go defunct in 2014. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, so but for, for, from what I saw of this, like people that played a lot of the Tony Hawk games say that it's kind of criminal that this one gets overlooked. Yeah. They're saying it's it's probably the biggest breakthrough for the franchise. Um, you know, they did. They kind of amped up and did everything better this time around. Probably the biggest change is they got rid of the timer. There's mm-hmm. no more of those three minute timers where you got to try to accomplish as much stuff. As right you in, can. The, in the career mode, so it was more like a free skate. Yeah, it's more, more like free skate. Tons of new mechanics, including letting you go from like um, vert to vert, so you could kind of more freely move around the maps. Uh, the worlds are way bigger. They're much more lived in. There's just a lot of like life in them when you look at the game and what all you can do in there. Um, they just did everything bigger and better with, with this installment of the game. It looks great. Like, I didn't play this one. I think I tapped out at two. I don't even think I played three. Um, but, like, I can just look at this and be like, there's a ton of improvements. Mm-hmm. That It's just just apparently, you know, visible that this is a better game. There's some of the other uh, quick notes some of the other new features you could play as Django Fett from Star Trek I saw that alright right. so get this you can also there is a woman I think her name's like Bunny or something is in this another character you're talking about yeah uh, this is she's only voiced two different video games but they both came out this month but porn star Jenna Jameson is, yep. the, is the voice of edgy shit you guys this is gaming at its most mature oh that's an interesting thing like the skaters also voice their own dialogue a lot of the skaters that are like real life pro skaters are in the game giving you missions and they're giving you like the readings of mm-hmm. it. And they even played back some of them where they're like, you can tell some of these guys like are either not comfortable with this or just don't care because their <laughs> dialogue is horrible. And then some are like way overacting. Like this is their first professional gig. <laughs> and they're like, this is the one. It's good to be in a video game. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But yeah. Um, what? A, a nine, again, another quote unquote universal acclaim. Yeah. Got really not well. 90 out of 100 for the most part. And there is even a Game Boy or a GBA D-Make. There is a GBA game. Yeah, it's one of the GBA games on this this month. And also also reviewed pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it got, uh, by the way, uh, like 2 million sales on the PS2 alone. I don't know what the combined sales are, uh, but yeah, a big seller. Yeah, kind of, kind of crazy that like they have the, the sort of critical acclaim and they have what, what seems to be pretty good, like really good sales, um, but they kind of ditched the pro skater. Yeah, a moniker for a little while, and they just did the re-release of them. They did the remaster versions mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, and it was only one and two. Yeah, so strange. Yeah, um, I guess like they, they couldn't justify they couldn't, couldn't capitalize on nostalgia for Tony Hawk Pro Skater Four. Yeah. But about ten-ish uh, hours of just playing through the critical path, which is pretty good. Uh, if you're going for completion, you're gonna kind of you're gonna triple that most likely. Some say the game's a grind. Stop it. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Uh, you get a used copy for about 30 bucks. Not too shabby. How, how long were you waiting to say that? Oh, it's, it's all top of the head, man. <laughs> but we got to rank it. Uh, I think we, like, for certain go above SSX Tricky. Any objections? Agreed. Agreed. How about above uh, the next game up is Blood Rain? <laughs> right, got to make a choice here. Again. Oh, I do. Blood Rain or Tony Hawk? I think... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bit better. I think that you would put... I like I like that there's this little cluster of great games mm-hmm. all next to each other here. So I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Okay. And what's the one above that though? That Luigi's Mansion. Oh yeah, like what is Luigi's Mansion doing there? Stop it. Oh, kick that, kick that one out of the car and don't slow down. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about how about Pikmin? Nah, I can't put it about Pikmin. I don't. 
See, I'll, no, I, I, I think it's fine. Put it above Blood Rain and leave it right there. See, I, I, th- I think we could justify if you really feel strongly putting above Luigi's Mansion because Luigi's Mansion is a very brief game. Yeah, it's only a launch title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> four hours you're done with it. You've seen everything you can see. I don't think so. You've seen. You don't game. think so, Wes? I was just deciding voice there. Tony Hawk Four, number ten, mm-hmm. pushing Blood Rain out of the top ten. <laughs> oh no! It's point behind Blood Rain. Twenty twenty three to twenty twenty three. Get around. <laughs> uh, uh, I think oh wait no I do have uh, another GameCube game um, and that oh I have two more GameCube games jeez this was multi-platform we won't spend a whole lot of time on this Outlaw Golf this is a weird one fellas um, this, ga- this game released on GameCube Xbox and not PS2 oh how weird wow uh, developed by Hypnotics and published by Simon & Schuster Interactive really what and, and I love that the Simon and Schuster guy that was just like this PlayStation thing. I don't think it's gonna last. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, uh, Hypnotics, the developer made such classics as Soldier Boys with a Z and wow. Panty Raider from Here to Immaturity. This is some pedigree, fellas. Uh, they'll oh also God. make another Outlaw Golf. They'll make Outlaw Volleyball, and they'll get bought out in in 2005 by EA for some reason. Like EA just like try to buy up anybody, and they get folded into EA. They probably had a nice office space in Dallas, and we're like, we yeah, that. maybe. But yes, it's edgy golf. Outlaw golf, it's golf, but you know, mature and See, grown up. You can play as a stripper or a biker. What the fuck? Like I'm sitting here watching this, and like the 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 character models and everything, obviously, is over the top and. It's really like a stiff movement, like even for like a golf game. But the second like the ball goes to the green, it looks really nice. Like the <laughs> it looks like a legitimate golf game. Like, the, the second the, the ball hits the green and rolls around, like it looks nice. They just stole. But then it goes back to the it. stripper with her underwear sticking out of the back of her pants. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> How dare you assume that she's the stripper? What is wrong with you? I'll have you know of the stripper. Trust me, trust me. If you saw that she she was wearing the stripper like she might be the biker uniform. You don't know. Mm, mm. It's very sexist of you, Wes. I'll have you know that the stripper in this game is male. And we'll be speaking. He's he's wearing like the the, the he's got the no shirt. He's got the collar with the bow tie and the cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he was on the screen, I would be able to tell that, but he wasn't. All right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, no, I got to mix up. You were right. That guy's the senator. <laughs> <laughs> so, so weirdly enough, this game does do something innovative, I suppose. Uh, there's a sort of momentum system. The better you're performing, like on your, your shots, like your your accuracy and how well you're executing your shots, the more like uh, momentum that you build. You actually be able to drive the ball further if you're aiming your shots well. So it's like heating up and right. Like there's, a there's kind of thing. Also, a composer uh, composure uh, meter. So that's what like, I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's what you're talking about. So yeah. if you're hitting bad swings and everything. The, the meter goes down, and so mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. So it rewards you for playing better. What what the, what is happening here? <laughs> it, it reminded this may be like a legitimate golf game. It, it, it's not. It reminded me a bit of like the the sanity meter in, in Eternal Darkness, where you know if, if, if it should just going, be a sanity meter in this. I mean, <laughs> a, a sanity meter. Um, Steve Carell does a commentary track. Okay. This is like uh, pre, like the Judd Apatow legit- legitimacy um, of Steve Carell. Oh, he's like the color commentary? He's the that's color commentary, yeah. That's, that's fun. That's cool. <laughs> this looks bad and dumb. It reviewed poorly as well. Probably deservedly so. Yeah. 
Um, never heard of this. Whoever's right. playing is playing really badly too. Whoever, whoever I'm watching here. Yeah, I mean, on you YouTube. know, it, it, people who are listening are probably asking, why are they talking about Outlaw Golf? This is the sort of quality of stuff that's coming out around this time. This is like what people thought mature games were looking like. So here's the sixth best-selling GameCube game, though. Which is okay. that <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you flipped a breaker in there real quick. <laughs> so this game actually reviewed decently well on Xbox, and I think that speaks for itself. That says a lot about the Xbox. Yeah. You yep. can you can get a copy for thirty dollars, sure. I dare you. Do it. Buy a copy for thirty dollars. Do it, you coward. I know you won't. Let's rank it. <laughs> <laughs> This is obviously... Above SSX What's our bottom five right now? <laughs> our bottom five, Pac-Man World, Cell Damage, X-Men... Turok, oddly enough, we don't... We <laughs> uh, 007, Asian Under Fire, and Turok. Oh, I, there was a Turok. I was joking about that. <laughs> no, the, the, the Turok is number 30 bar. It's the worst game. Um, probably the worst game ever made, Turok. Yeah. Uh, I would say this feels like it's comparable to like a Cell Damage. I don't know. What do you think? I think that... Yeah, maybe it goes above X Men, because yeah. like that X Men game doesn't look particular. Like as much as I like the the, the characters, look, like, X Men has better characters though. Like at least well, I have. Are names. any of the X Men strippers? A lot of them, yeah. <laughs> Stacy X, she's not in the game though. Yeah. Steve Carell, like I'd love he's to hear the not a stripper. <laughs> but this is, the fact that he's doing the voice work in it sounds sounds fun. I think he would be a good color commentator for golf. I, I, I say we got our next game night, guys. <laughs> if only they made an X-Men golf game. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Outlaw Golf, number 32. Way higher than it deserves to be. But there's only, we've only ranked 30, 32 of 35. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty low. I mean, we, when we ranked it, we were like, what are the bottom five? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We were like, we know where this thing's going. Last GameCube game, before we can finally move on here. Okay, let's hear it. Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2. This is a RPG developed by Sanic Team, published by Sega. It was originally for the Dreamcast, I think we might have talked about it a couple years back, um, Fantasy Star Online Episode 1. Uh, they did add some original content for the GameCube version, that's where the Episode 2 comes from. The Fantasy Star series started out as like this dungeon-crawling, turn-taking RPG in the late 80s, so they decided to take that series and turn it into an online cooperative action RPG. Obviously, that's clearly the next step of the genre. Um, so this this is uh, the GameCube version. On the Dreamcast, you did not have the local uh, uh, cooperative play. On the GameCube version, you do get some local split-screen play with two players. I don't think it supported as many as four. Now that I think about it. Uh, also, this is when um, Nintendo finally decided that they should make a modem accessory for the GameCube. Because they were, since like before the GameCube was announced, they were very resistant to doing online play. And when uh, Sega decided to bring this game over, they were like, okay, fine, we'll have to do some sort of modem adapter. So they had a dial-up adapter as well as a broadband one. And they, I couldn't find specific exact release dates for these but they were out by the end of 2002 not many games supported these things um there are not a whole lot of games that i think they just it was like uh we'll do it make a peripheral just right. make some hardware that does the online right right <laughs> and it was like one of those things like, like a tone death. If, if you if you like flip your gamecube upside down there's a couple of uh little um like tv remote battery latches that you can pop out and there's like different ports and stuff 
And there's there's one like really great accessory that we'll get to uh, at some point called the GBA player that actually like is an accessory that you plug into the bottom of the GameCube that actually makes its dimensions equal on all sides, so it turns into an actual cube wow. and allows you to play Game Boy Advance games on your TV. Really, really great. This modem adapter, almost useless. Um, I'm just imagining that they have one where it's like, and this is a juicer. This is a blender. Have a surprise. It will not break. <laughs> Haven't you always wanted a smoothie while you game? I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you always want to keep your liquids near your electronics. <laughs> so it, it, this game is not an MMO. It's missing the, the massive part of that. It's missing that first M for, for MMO. You can play solo if you so desire or team up in groups of four to take on missions. Um, in typical sort of online RPG fashion, you set up your character and your class and you go adventuring. Pretty primitive at the time, but Fantasy Star was one of the first console online uh, RPGs, online cooperative RPGs. Um, you go into like one of four environments that's just a series of corridors and small arenas where you're fighting enemies in action-based combat. Super interesting to see like these types of concepts on consoles rather than just PCs. And it reviewed pretty well, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Good luck getting one. Close to two hundred bucks to get a, to get a disc for this thing. And then you got to buy the modem. Then you got to buy the modem, which I'm sure is also not cheap and probably no longer functional. Has it been ported? Um, the, yeah, the versions of Fantasy Star Online did continue support. I think just on PC though. I don't think it got to any other systems, any of any consoles. And I think just recently, uh, it, it had been shut down, but I think recently it got kind of revamped and restarted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think uh, this game deserves a spot, uh, certainly in the top 20. Um, the reviews are great on this thing. 89 out of 100? Yeah, I think you go above Star Fox, kind of our, our midpoint of the, the series here. I think you go above Monkey Ball. I think you go above Mario Party. I think Gauntlet is an interesting comparison because Gauntlet kind of does similar things cooperatively. Um, I play, I did play a bit of this game back in the day, and as interesting a concept it is, I didn't find the actual like engaging in combat, the actual like moment to moment gameplay as interesting as Gauntlet. So I think maybe above Mario Party, below Gauntlet. Seems fair. Any objections? Well, go with me. That's good enough for number fifteen. Ryan, tell me about Vice City. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Vice City, I think, um, it's one of those things when you're, like, trying to make sense of how good this game was or how significant this game was. is It's a little difficult, but I think if you were in that era when you were growing up, again, it's one of those times where games sort of transcend just games and go into pop culture mm. in general. I feel like GTA was something that people just talked about on the news and stuff. It was such a controversial game at the time, and it's also one of the best-selling games of all time, one of the best-reviewed games of all time. It's like it's absolutely beloved. Um, and yeah, you know, I think what's interesting is we just talked about Grand Theft Auto Three last year. Yeah, it less, came than, out less like, than a year ago. Yeah, it came out like November of two thousand one, and it was just like absolutely bonkers how popular that was. Keep in mind, in two thousand two, Grand Theft Auto Three is going to be the seventh best-selling game. Like, that's how big GTA 3 still was, that a year later, it is a top 10 selling game. Yeah, this this 
uh, series, all of these games have some serious legs on. Like Grand yeah. Theft Auto Five has been like in the top top ten selling game since it released every year. Yeah, um, and so it's it's absolutely not only is it impressive how quick the turnaround is on Vice City, um, the way that they improved this game in every way imaginable is also really really impressive. You know, I, I knew this was going to come up, so I started playing this about a month ago. Uh, back in September, I, I have the collection on the Switch, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and revisit it. And I actually beat the game. I nice. just, I, I loved it so much, like, revisit. This is a game I've, I've beaten multiple times in my life. I played it way back when it came out. I played it, you know, probably a decade prior to that. This is a game I just love going back to. Vice City is just so, so wonderful. Um, it is, it, it makes it that, that, that small category of like quote unquote isn't a greatest game ever made there's a handful of games that can like truly lay claim to a title like that and i actually do think this is one of them deservedly so um it's gonna sell 17 million copies <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers that's more than every other game we talked about this month combined hmm. um this is and totally incredible i feel like i'm i'm gushing about this game and it it really deserves it um yeah it's awfully gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gushing everywhere I think the, the three biggest games I've been playing lately, obviously, is Vice City, but it's Tears of the Kingdom and uh, uh, Scarlet Violet. And they are the same game. This is, this, this is the same thing that Grand Theft Auto does. It's a big open world where you can go and explore and kind of do your thing. And it's kind of wild that, while as, as great as those games are that I've been playing recently, how much they still just are doing what the Grand Theft Auto series did with their... They're kind of open world sandbox, do what you want to do kind of thing. It's it's great. Um, in this one, you get on top of having this giant and most uh, like um, open world that you can just explore corner to corner right at the start of it. Um, they give you like three times as many vehicles as the last one, including new kinds of vehicles like helicopters and motorcycles and planes. Um, you get about three times as many weapons as well, each with their own kind of upgrades. New missions, new play modes. Um, you get new voice acting, or you get voice acting from not only from your main character but from everybody else in it. Um, and it's like it's a who's who cast of a lot of really really talented voice actors or like major professional actors in this game. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah, he's in there. Sadly, <laughs> no, Steve Carell is not in it. Um, actually, I'll look it up. Let me let me look at the Vice City cast real quick. Oh, well, while you're doing all this, vamp for a second. Yeah. We don't have too many uh, GBA games to talk about this month. We already talked about Tony Hawk. But after a killer month, last month of the GBA, this one's a bit of a quieter one. The other one, Doom 2, got a GBA port. Worm World Party. Um, Reign of Fire GBA game based on the greatest movie ever made. Yep. Sure is. The best movie. Yeah. But, um, oh, and, and to the cast. Oh my god, this is absolutely wonderful. Uh, Ray Liotta is your main... He, he is the, the character that you're portraying in this. Uh, but you also get Danny Trejo, uh, Burt Reynolds, Tom Sizemore, William Fitchner, our boy Gary Busey, like Luis Guzman, uh, Dennis Hopper, Lee Major, Feruza Balk. Uh, the, uh, this is the other game in which he is in, Jenna Jameson. Um, <laughs> what? <the> yeah. <laughs> Debbie Harry, like... It's insane. This is an absurd collection of voice acting talent. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, I, great. The, the soundtrack, one of the most, my, my favorite parts of the game is just the soundtrack and just sort of 
kind of cruising around in, in cars and just, just enjoying the immersive world that they've created where you're Gary Busey singing along. Oh, yeah. Gary Busey. Your boy on there, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You must yeah. be so proud of him. And I know I'm, 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 I'm just... He is in this game. And if you were in any other game, it's obviously going to be one of the greatest games ever made. Of course. But this is the one that he chose to be in. <laughs> so, yeah. Look, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It's one of the best-selling games, best-reviewed games. It's an absolute delight to play. How would you compare this to the other Grand Theft Autos? I've only played... So I played Grand Theft Auto 3 a bunch, and I liked it. I played some of San Andreas. I've actually never played 4 or 5. Like, I haven't hmm. played... I don't really play the modern Grand Theft Auto games. Um, I just never, you know, never got into it. Hmm. Um, but I can tell you that Vice City... It's not one of the games that comes to mind when I think of what my personal favorite games are of all time, but after this playthrough, it's, it's certainly up there. I don't think I could make a top 10 list and not include this game of just every game ever made in my personal opinion if you've never played this game you owe it to yourself to check it out it's for real oh and it's vice city it's set in miami like it's it, as as we are floridians it's very cool to see oh, so now game. we have to john's part of culture <laughs> yeah yeah in the same way that what is it um liberty city is supposed to be some sort of amalgamation of like um you know new york and philadelphia or whatever and um what is it san andreas is supposed to be los angeles like yeah this is this is the other kind of corner of the nation um and they really bring it to life there's just so much. again it's those moments in like tears of the kingdom and in breath of the wild where you're just sort of enjoying the atmosphere of the game and just enjoying the environment really feeling like you're somewhere else in this game and it's pr- how primitive it is. This game's fucking 21 years old, and yet it's so good. It is still so good. Um, yeah, can't recommend it enough. You know, we'll do, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll get to Game of the Year ratings later, but this one will certainly be one of the first ones I bring up. Okay, so, so behind Monkey Ball. Behind Monkey Ball. Yeah. Oh no! This, this is a PS2 well, exclusive. This is, it does yeah. not oh, okay. You're right. Yeah, right. We, we move over to the PS2 game, so now we're not. We're, we're, we're done doing those rankings. Like lucky for it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's one A, one B. Contra Shattered Soldier. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. I, don't, I don't know shit about this game. I, I, I do have some things to say about this game. Go go for <laughs> so it. So this is this is a Konami game. Yeah. Um, obviously, it is a side-scrolling shooter, as you would expect from Contra. Uh, and funnily enough, there were a couple of PS1. Contra games that were not side-scrolling shooters. It was kind of like a return to the Super Nintendo and NES style of Contra games. Uh, but even though it's a side-scroller, it is using polygons, just moving on a 2D plane. What would become known as like 2.5D is what they're going for here. Now, some of the actual parts of stages will have a dynamic moving camera, so like it'll sw- swap around to another angle, but you're always still just moving uh, left to right on a 2D plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some some of the new additions that they make. To well, Lance, Lance is back, right? Uh, Bill and Lance are back. However, there there is oh, like yeah. a. I, I did not read much about the story because like why would you read the story? But like apparently like at some point Lance took a heel turn and he's like what? looking for the alien faction now. Not possible. Yeah. Seriously. I don't right. think this is canon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a other world story. Yeah. Um, but like just some some new additions to the Contra sort of formula here. There's a hit rate counter um, that kind of gives you like a percentage ticker at the top, and that's not like your. It sounds like accuracy, but it's not your accuracy. It's seeing if you've killed every enemy. Oh, okay. And in order to get like the S rank for every stage, like it'll rank you by stage, you have to 
kill every enemy and also not die or use any continues because it'll subtract from your your uh, hit percentage at the end of the level. Like, hey, you killed all the enemies, but you died, so minus six percent, no S ranking for you. Ouch. So, like, in order to like, if you want to go for the completionist run, you have to do every level, never dying, killing all enemies. Now, how they help you out with that is there's actually a level select. You can at the beginning you can choose you can like go up to the fourth level from the start but then it's like it's Mega Man style where they let you pick the gun and you just go like it's it's Mega Man style so if like if you're really like wanting to 100% the game and get like all the the, the highest ranking you can like okay I'll I'll try the first level for a while and maybe you finish it maybe you've gotten like 90% but then you're sick of it you can move on to the next one it doesn't like lock you into doing one thing you can skip around like the, the, the back half of the game you actually have to like play through the game to get to those levels in order to unlock them for the level select. So you can't just like skip to the end of the game. Um, another difference, there's no weapon drops. You start with three guns that you swap through, and those are your guns. Interesting. Mm. I'm kind of of two minds about this. So like, what are you picking up as you go along? <laughs> nothing. No, there's, there's also no bombs. And, and okay. Like... You, you always, like if you die, you always have a gun. You're not gonna end up in a situation where you're just kind of using your your basic machine gun. But just also using like, your fists, punching stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's there's also like no improvisation, like there would be in previous Contra games. Like the, you're not gonna have like a moment where you know you're you're panicking because you don't have a gun, so you start like racking up all of these deaths because you don't have a way out of your situation. So you just gotta memorize the way that they're gonna spawn in, and as long as you're shooting the bullets in the right places at the right time, the game figures itself out for you. And it's actually like one of the complaints what we're saying about the game is that there's not a lot of improvisation. There's also not a whole lot of like actual run and gun. It's like when when you're actually doing the contra run and gun, there are these short segments in between boss fights, and there are a lot of boss fights in this game. Um, they don't repeat any bosses. There's like new creative bosses that have different patterns and different things you gotta destroy. Sometimes bosses will have like destructible things on them that you don't think are destructible. So you'll like play through a level and like, oh, I got 94%, what's the thing that I'm missing? And it was a piece of a boss you didn't know you could kill. So there is a lot of like- brain likes. Because of the brain likes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The turtle makes a comeback. So it, it, oh, he's back. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's got like a, a revamped visual style, of course, but they do like make a lot of callbacks to the uh, uh, 2D, 8-bit, and 16-bit Contra games, including the Brain Lake Turtle. The legs don't look so much like brains anymore. However, when you defeat the front of the Brain Turtle, it actually turns around. Oh, no. And you fight its butt. Wow. And Does guys, it also have a face? You guys? Mm-hmm. Wes, you should go work for Konami. The butt is a human face. So we got like a cat-dog situation here. Yes. Oh <laughs> it is fucking wild. I was watching a playthrough game, and somebody killed the front of the turtle. I was like, oh, look, there's the brain turtle. And it turned around. I was like, oh, God, what the Does fuck? it look the same, or is it just... No. It's a man's face. Oh, my God. This just tells me that Bill and Lance didn't, didn't finish the job. Right. You know, Weird. Alien War... Like, they, they should have roasted that turtle a little bit more. Like, how far in the game was this? I gotta, I gotta find this this brain, this butt face turtle. Is this like the, turtle. Quirrell, like the quirrell thing from Harry Potter, where it's like technically Voldemort's face is on the back of his head or something? Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this is exactly that. <laughs> terrible. I'll go along with that. This is terrible. Um, it's, it's covered by a turban as well. <laughs> But, but like again, like a lot of the boss fights, are you know, learning the patterns and when they're gonna like 
where they're going to try to shoot you and when to where to stand, where to be out of the way, and when to shoot. Um, it's a quick game, as it should be. It takes a little over an hour to, to play through. It reviewed okay, but not great. I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting-looking game. Um, it, it is strange how like it, they, they were definitely trying to go back to... Uh, oh, I a 16-bit, 8-bit style of Contra game, but they got very hyper-focused on making like these crazy boss fights that it seems like they skipped over all of the parts of Contra that were like the, the, the meat of the game. And, like uh, the, plat- the, the platforming and just yeah. kind of getting through the level part of it. It's like, yeah, yeah. you need to do, yeah, you need to have some of that balance in there where there is some kind of, you know, and again, like you're talking about, like the improvisation that occurs as you're going through and things are spawning differently and you don't have the same guns you always have. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's kind of part, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a great decision. They do have some segments in the game to, to mix up the gameplay where, you know, you're, you're like um, auto-scrolling, like you're, you're, you're on a bike. But rather than having it like a, a side face and like it's actually like more like a top down mm. kind of art, or or I guess like you're moving toward the camera rather than like a, a full on top down because they don't have any like those top down levels from Contra Three that were really fun. Mm-hmm. But it kind of kind of seems to be a mixed bag. But a really interesting looking game. This, this is terrifying. This 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 the Are butt you, face is terrifying. Yeah, it's bad. It's like puking and like looks like birds are coming out of his nose and then when it dies like. Just spews from every orus. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's wild. There's some weirdos working this, over this, Konami. This nightmare fuel. Oh. And actually, it was the 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 guy who was a designer director for Contra Three and Karcha Hardcore was not part of the series for the PS One games, but then came back for this one. Okay, interesting. But yeah, you got another one? I got PS Two. I got, yeah, there's actually a couple of games. So we should just men- mention that uh, Red Faction 2 came out, which mm-hmm. was a, a first-person shooter, and this was more of a multiplayer one. Um, and the whole gimmick behind this is that they had, like, you know, not fully destructible. It couldn't flatten the entire world, but um, most of, like, the walls and stuff were breakable. So, like, you know, if you were fighting someone, it might be just as easier to throw a grenade against a wall and just destroy it and then <laughs> shoot them on the other side. Um, I remember it being kind of a popular game at the time, but it didn't review it that well. Just kind of mentioning it to mention it. Um, by the way, seven different PS One or sorry PS Two games sold at least a million copies. Mm. So this was just a fucking bonkers month for games. Um, there were two Lord of the Rings games, two competing. Vivendi published one that sold about a million units called Fellowship of the Rings, which seems like it was more of an RTS style game, as I recall. Yeah, the um, and that one was more based on the they they had the license to adapt the novels. Yeah. Okay. Rather than the next one, The Two Towers, which was an adaptation of the movies. Yes. That wasn't out yet. Right. Well, a bit the spoilers. The first <laughs> film was out yet, but Two Towers right. hadn't come out yet. Right. It's like out the next month or like early yeah. December. And yeah, they're yeah. releasing this game. And it's interesting. Well, uh, I, I think before we move on, well, Fellowship is probably not the more interesting one of the two to talk about. But yeah, it did sell about a million copies. And there was a GBA version as well. Mm-hmm. The GBA got one. But yeah, and then The Two Towers, we're talking about EA published this one. Um, and this one sold like 4 million copies, but it's also like a 3D hack and slash type game. And this one is, seems like people liked the Return of the King version of this EA franchise. Hmm. So this one does not get the great reviews. It'll be the next one that everyone like fawns over. But still, I mean, it's sold like gangbusters. 
And apparently they actually got some of the cast to go back into the booth to record some okay. unique dialogue for this game. So they got... Um, Viggo Mortensen does some more singing. No, sadly, um, Sean, Sean Bean, though, stepped in and recorded like 20 different death tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and every playthrough, you get a different one. So you got to uh, get them all. It was <laughs> like, you get the multiple playthroughs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, I think, I think Ian, is Ian McCallan, he plays... Um, Gandalf, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he he does some lines, and um, guy, I'm sure, why am I blanking on his name? It's Frodo, the actor that plays Frodo. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Um, I they they're both for sure. Previously known for his Back to the Future appearance. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the Good Son. Um, but yeah, so but that but those came he out. Was in that. <laughs> <laughs> Him and uh, Macaulay Culkin. Oh, he was the he was the the other. He, he, was, he the was kid. He was the actual good son. He was the actual. Oh, I did he not was, know that was him. He was the okay son. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a uh, long time. Yeah, City Coden Three. Yeah. What's your opinion on this series? Have you played any of them? I have played. I have really limited experience with Sweet Coden. I think the one I've played the most is actually the last one that they did on the DS called oh. Tear Christ. Um, I played a little bit of the first one, not too much. It was a series from Konami. This is Konami's second. PS2 uh, game that they're publishing this month. Um, and a, a lot of like uh, PS1 RPGs continue to sort of to 2D tradition of Super Nintendo games. Not a lot of them moved into polygons. The big exception to that was, of course, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy adopted polygons or immediately with Final Fantasy VII. A lot of other series, Sweet Coden, one that we're going to talk about in a little bit, Wild Arms, they don't really bring polygons into the mix or like a 3D perspective until you get to the PS2. Um, but Sweet Coden is a big beefy game, like 60 plus hours. Yeah. But what I was seeing online, it seems like 2 was absolutely beloved. Mm-hmm. It was like they shared some like, they, they did a survey of the greatest games strictly from a Japanese audience and Sweet Coden 2 was number 17 on the list. Mm. Like that's yeah. apparently a, it only it sold a little over a million copies, but if I looked at the numbers right, it was like eight hundred thousand of those came out of Japan. For Sweet Coden two, for three, okay, yeah, like it was super duper popular uh, from as as a JRPG from yeah a, ja- a Japanese audience. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sweet Coden two definitely like um, the most beloved out of the series. So big um, shoes to fill with this one though. Yeah, so, so this one they they tried some different things. So what they did is they split the game into chapters that follow different main characters. Kind of like these three factions that are... It reminds me a little bit like Octopath Traveler. Where okay. It's like you can you pick the order that you do the, the stories of the three characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can do like uh, out of order. You don't like necessarily have to follow like this person's story up to their chapter three. You can swap in between mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of like mix up the, the, the way that you're experiencing it. And then at a certain point in the game, they all kind of come together for like the back third of it or something like that. Uh, and in the uh, tradition of Suicone, there's just tons of characters that you can recruit. You can get like the, the 108 Stars of Destiny or whatever it is that they call them in this particular version. Um, there, one of the nice things is that there's in Suicone 1 and 2, there are like some characters are time locked. You have to get them in between this narrative event and this narrative event. Otherwise, you miss out on them forever. They don't have any characters locked so you know when when you play through a game you don't have to like make any decisions about who you're going to recruit or who you're going to pass up you can get everybody mm-hmm. in any particular playthrough and at any point if you've realized you've missed someone um so 
they all have like their own different skill sets that they can learn all these characters some have like different affinities with types of skills of course you have your your characters that are more inclined to be mages so they're going to have a higher affinity with um, magic skills the battles are random which is a bummer it's uh, something that, that should not be part of video games ever Except for maybe Pokemon. Like, Pokemon, I get, like, there's an excuse. You're crawling around in the grass. You're going to be surprised by an animal living in there. But even Pokemon doesn't do it anymore. Well, yeah, in, in most RPGs, you're doing it for the grind to get experience. It's not a collecting thing for the most right. part. Right, um, And it technically, like, it's a six-member party in your battles, but they, they act like sort of in, in pairs. So really you're only using all skills available to like your, your three party members and they each mm-hmm. have a support character that is... always attacking or just like set to default attack or something. Right. I, I watched a breakdown of the mechanics of this because I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Because it seemed like the previous one just had a full roster of six and you could just fucking do whatever you wanted with all of them. So Yeah, and it, was, it was very much like focused on who you're going to put in the front row, who you're going to put in the back row and mm-hmm. how that's going to affect what sorts of skills that they can use. I think uh, Tier Christ on the DS did a similar system with this where you only had you know your three party members, but then you had three support characters as well. Um, reviewed pretty well. Like you said, managed to sell a million, mostly in Japan. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting looking game. It's a series that they're, they're getting a HD remaster one and two uh, next year. So I'm interested to try those out. Uh, and I think uh, three did eventually get... Uh, ported to the the, the place, there's a PlayStation 4 version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how much work they actually did on it, but you can like download it from like a, a digital storefront or something like that. You got anything you want to tag in with? Uh, Hitman 2, Silent Assassin. Very good. Uh, this is another cross-platform. Uh, did not make its way to the GameCube. I see PS2, Xbox, PC. I didn't play this game much, but I think it's... Uh, a prototype of game that you see a lot now, things like Dishonored. I think I feel like I watch people play Dishonored, and it reminds me a lot of a Hitman game. Um, I don't know if I've been happy with that comparison or not. Nothing wrong with Hitman. It's fine. Yeah, well, it's very much a stealth game, and it's one in which you kind of... I love Dishonored. It's one of my favorites. Oh. Um, well, yeah, I think the first Hitman is not that well-received, but Hitman 2 Silent Assassin is got very good reviews, and it seems like it was very well-liked by the people that play these games. And I think what makes it cool is that there was a much greater emphasis on stealth and being stealthy, um, and doing things in unconventional ways, it seems like, very much like in a... How can you do this in the cleverest way possible? And I believe there's even pacifist runs you can do where basically you just sort of comedy of errors make them kill themselves. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know anyone specific, like any one specific narrative where that would occur, but it would be the sort of thing where it's like, you know, when Butters changed the food at the restaurant, it's like one of them's got a peanut allergy or something. Like convince a guy to drop his banana peel at the top of the stairs. Yeah, or like they get the gases on in the fireplace, but you know that they smoke, so they're going to go in their room and light up. Something like that. You know, yeah, and of course, it's also very much a game where you could just go in guns blazing. Oh, we haven't really talked about too many stealth games at the moment. I think we're like, we mentioned that Metal Gear Solid 2 came out on the PS2, but yeah. yeah. And I love a good stealth game. Like um, I, I think, think the collection of Metal Gear comes out tomorrow. Nice. Oh, on Switch? I believe so. Mm. I think it's yeah. tomorrow. Same day as Mario. It's unfortunate for them. That's coming out tomorrow. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. I, got, I got over 100 copies in the store. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm drowning in Mario's. Very good. Yeah, hopefully, so. hopefully my local game shop has it already. I already ordered it. So. Nice. I already ordered it online, so it'll arrive here. If you come and buy it from Target, 
we have these little foam like picture frames. Don't don't even say anymore. It's like just yes. Mario Wonder. And it's like it's a three D shadow box Mario Wonder. <laughs> That's funny. It, it's the weirdest thing. It's, it's just the styrofoam that they came in. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's foam. It's interesting. Like I wasn't playing on buying it. I was like, but for the shadow box, I don't know. Why yeah, yeah, cool. They're getting you with the swag. <laughs> they got me with the swag. Oh, yeah, so just to wrap it up, yeah, Hitman 2, it seems like it's a pretty good game if you like stealth games or if you like essentially puzzle games. It's, it's much, seems like it's far more a puzzle game than it is a shooter. Um, I mean, this is a stealth game, game, but I'm just seeing him walk around casually in this area, and for some reason he's on a roof now, the but he's just walking to hide casually. In plain sight. Oh, that's what they said. Like, you cannot run in this game. Like, you, you can run, but don't. The, it would be like if you your were just... Your mom hasn't given you the running shoes yet? I mean, no, it'd just be like if you were just at the store or something, and someone's just running down the hallway, you were just running down the aisle, you'd be like, is there, like, an active shooter or something? Like, it was the fire. Yeah, you, you would immediately be suspicious of that. And imagine now you're like security like looking after a vip or something you're like okay this is really weird why is that guy running i mean i think maybe we better go to talk to him why is he bald and what does he have two guns for <laughs> why is there a barcode in the back of his head we talked about this with tomb raider as we established the best way to aim a gun is to hold another gun <laughs> <laughs> See, no, so much better so much better i think we work to normalize this so let's just jog everywhere yes all right, that's all I have to say about that. Probably worth checking out. Uh, just a couple of quick oh, things. Oh, I, I have other games, though. Oh, yeah. Can I keep going? Sorry. Oh, my gosh. gosh. I have two more to mention. Uh, there's Star Wars Clone Wars, which is a vehicular combat game. I don't know this one. It actually got released early for the GameCube by, like, a week. Um, In October? Yeah. It got really... It got, I mean, pretty much probably haven't heard of it. It's got really bad reviews, mm. um, and it just looks, looks like, bad. Like, like a Star Wars game? Yeah, it looks pretty bad. And then um, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 would sell 3 million copies. It's more of an arcade take on uh, that style. But, of course, Gran Turismo is, like, the one game that outsold Vice City yeah, on, yeah. On, on the PlayStation. Like, Gran Turismo, it can't, it can't, that was a monolith of gaming. You can't overlook that one. Yeah, Need for Speed kind of exists in the space of, like, it's not a racing sim, but it's not, like, a uh, an arcade racer, like, so far as, like, a... Like a, a cruising USA kind of thing kind of exists in between those two yeah and that's all the games that's all the games I have to talk about so there there were just a couple of quick hits NBA Live 2003 NBA 2K 3 oh those are big titles a couple of those came out yeah a couple of NBA games uh, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2003 there's a second golf game for the oh month. I'm aware of him yeah yeah there, there's a guy who, who exists um, and then the last one that I got on my list is Wild Arms 3 and this is an RPG. It came out uh, in October on the PS2 as an exclusive, developed by Media Vision, published by Sony. Probably why it's an exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I've talked a little bit about this series before. I played through one and two, and I like those games. It's another example of continuing down like the, the Super Nintendo RPG path on the on the PS1. Um, it did, did use some polygons uh, in battle, but for the most part, the rest of the time you play the game is just like more like a top-down pixel art RPG. Um, set in the Old West. Set in the Old West. But the Japanese Old West. Right. So so what kind of separates Wild Arms from other RPGs rather than like being like high fantasy based is it's sort of like mixture of magic tech and the Old West. Um, the, the, the setting is something you don't see out of RPGs a whole lot. Also like the, the arm system. So as you are in the Old West, everyone has a gun and they shoot each other. So 
all of your characters have like a different firearm that they're using. Characters like, oh my god, I love these names. Please. Virginia Maxwell. Uh-huh. Uh, Jet Enduro. Clive Winslet. Gallows Carradine. So it is, is also different from other Wild Arms games in that you get four uh, a four-member uh, roster yeah. rather than three that you're getting in one and two. Um, but like the, the arms system in this game uh, it's kind of like these consumable battle skills that you work up to. You have ammunition for your guns, and there sometimes like battles are going on long enough, you have to take a turn to reload. But in in fights, there's a uh, a, a meter that builds up the more that you're you're in a battle, the more actions that you're doing in a fight, and the more that meter builds up, the more access you have to stronger skills. So basically, the longer the fight goes on, the better you're going to perform because you have access to these things. It seems like these have different guns. Like one has two six shooters, mm-hmm. one's got a machine gun, and one a sniper rifle and a shotgun. Yeah, and it kind of uh, uh, corresponds to their class. Your your sniper guy is one that you're going to have to like defend, and he's going to be doing big damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your 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 machine gun guy, he's going to be like you're doing your least damage but moving the quickest. So you're going to get multiple turns in with with that character. Mm-hmm. The magic system is a bit different. Oh, um, I should uh, also mention that uh, in order to... Oh, I, I did mention this already. In order to, to build up the sort of points that you're, you're using um, for your arms, you have to like, do things like attack and defend. But uh, you, you also, in, in Wild Arms, what sets it apart from other RPGs is there's uh, a field skill associated with uh, every character. Sometimes characters have multiple field skills that will aid you in like exploring dungeons and solving puzzles, things like that. This almost sounds like an XCOM kind of setup. I, I suppose, maybe to an extent, um, but like uh, it's it's a bit tough to make the comparison because when you, when you're moving around and like the actual dungeons all in real time. Mm, okay. Um, the magic system is a bit different. It's not this sort of convoluted grid to learning magic skills. It's just like an equipable guardian, like a summon in Final Fantasy. This. Someone is going to give you a stat buff, and it's also going to enable you to learn this magic. Oh, good! It's Final Fantasy VIII. It's a little bit more like Final Fantasy IX. Okay. If Final Fantasy IX like actually had someone you equipped a different character, like the the equipment system in Final Fantasy IX works a lot uh, similar to this system in Wild Arms Three, where there are skills like passive skills that you can learn, like immunity to poison, depending on what. Uh, a guardian they call in this game. What, what do you have equipped? And like all of these things, like there, you have to assign skills. Like you have a, a pool of points, and uh, being immune to poison is going to cost you four points. And then you can like reset it all uh, before a fight and put it all back into the things you need. This is one of the more useful things in the game. Is that before major fights, it'll prompt you to change up. Your your sort of loadout, so you can uh, sort of build your your characters to what's going to be the most beneficial in the fight. The other fights are once again random, also a bummer. Uh, they can be avoided with this uh, convoluted system that I won't get into because I don't fully understand it. There's horses, repels. not repels, sadly. Max repels. There there really aren't no, very many consumable items within the game. It's just the main guy's pee. Oh, nice. <laughs> so the. The, the sort of um, concept in Wild Arms is it's the Old West because, like, the planet is dying. Not many very... It's hard to grow plants anymore 
in this area. So like all like all the animals are dying, and a lot of your consumable items are berries, and they're not things that you can actually purchase because nobody has them anymore. In Wild Arms Three, there is a system where you can actually like have a garden where you can grow these things, like you could in Pokemon. You can grow your own berries, but otherwise there aren't consumable items within the game, and everything you get. You have to like be really judicious about when you're going to use it, which of course leads me to never use them at all. <laughs> uh, I like specifically in Wild Arms One. I was right at the end of the game and I got into a, a fight that I had a bit of a hard time with. I failed a couple of times and then I put the game down for a couple weeks. And when I picked it back up, I was like, "All oh, right, I was doing this fight again." And as I started like playing through the fight, like, "Okay, I got to the part where I'm starting to have trouble." Maybe I should just use my items. <laughs> so I used an item and it saved the entire fight for me. Like, okay, good. That's that worked out. Uh, sometimes you just gotta use the items, even though it goes against all of my instincts. Mm. But in Wild Arms 3, there's horseback battles. You can fight, and your characters are on horses. They work exactly the same as other battles. It just looks cooler. Nice. <laughs> um, and Wild Arms 2 did this thing where when you're in the world map, as you would be in like a Final Fantasy game, there's this sonar system that you got to use. None of like the actual points of interest, towns, caves, dungeons, that kind of thing. They're not like visible on the world map. You have to use this dumb sonar system in order to reveal them so you can enter them. It just made you like go around and click the button to use your sonar every few steps to see if you're missing something. While it's it's bad, it's a bad way of doing it. Wild Arms 3 does the same thing, except you also have to, like, talk to a townsperson that tells you that it's there before your sonar will reveal it. So if you don't talk to the right NPC, you might just end up, like, walking around not knowing what the fuck to do. It forces you to engage in dialogue with NPCs, and I hate that. Yeah, you do not like that. But it has a nice uh, cell-shaded look. Holds up a bit better than um, some games of this era that are going for photorealism. Pretty, Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Reviewed okay, but not great. Seems like the franchise didn't do much to evolve moving from PS1 to PS2 other than introduce polygons, which is kind of like, they didn't try very many new things, just kind of refined what they were doing before, which is kind of the, uh, a, a, the opposite of what they were doing with Suicode. They tried to do new things in the way they were structuring the sort of uh, narrative beats and how you were playing through the game in that one. But it's another beefy game. Take about 40 hours to work through, and double that if you're going for all the side quests and extras. Man, but speaking of beefy things, my goodness, this this show. So many games. I know, there's just fucking too much happening. Yep. Um, so, funnily enough, at this point, like in, in October 2002, I didn't own a GameCube yet. I don't think I got, I didn't get a GameCube until Wind Waker came out, which was early 2023. Um, but like out of all the games on this list, the three that I'd want to play the most are all PS2 games. Well, because yeah, you like JRPGs, right? Right. So you want to play? So Sweet Code and Wild Arms and Contra. <laughs> yeah, are the classic ones JRPG play. Contra. Right. Yeah, Contra actually does look pretty good. It looks so silly. It does and, and bombastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does look pretty good. I think this is yeah. This is an unreal. Obviously, you've got Vice City, which is unbelievable. Time right. Splitters Two and Blood Rain. Um, yeah, this is just a bonkers month for games yeah, and then that's crazy. and there's a bunch of games I never played like Hitman 2 does look like a lot of fun like there are some ones on here that would be cool to visit wild mm-hmm. uh, game of the month 
Oh, Vice City. Yeah, I think it's got to be Vice City. I, yeah. Just, I mean, for for the the cultural impact alone. But but for but for a GameCube th- or for any Nintendo game though, um, I, I would probably say Time Splitters. Time Splitters. Yeah, Blood yeah. Rain's better on PC. I would say Time Splitters is genuine. But game, game of the month. Hear me out on this. Butt face. I mean, come on, you guys. Have, you have the butt face turtle. There is a butt face turtle that pukes and it's smoking out of its nose, but that's not its nose. <laughs> no, and they're like birds and shit coming out of it. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I mean, you're making a compelling case. I mean, come on, guys. Butt face turtle. I think yeah. I think that it's in the conversation. It's in the conversation. I feel good about this. Ah, uh, so that's it. We're done with games. Oh, thank God. Oh, uh, I'm I'm. Gonna post this as its own show. Good, good. Should we do an outro? We'll do we'll do the, uh, the the back half and post this as a separate show. We're not gonna post a four hour podcast. I agree. I Ugh. think that yeah, we've been going long enough as it is. Yeah, I'm I falling asleep here too. We should yeah, we should regroup, compose ourselves. Just talking about all these movies and and music. Yeah. My goodness, there's so much. A Pokemon Forever came out. Like, we oh, we can, we can, we can watch this and regroup. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. End of podcast. So it all home. Later, guys. <laughs>